this week on Keystone Conversations. How to not be fearful in evangelism, and how do we find our racial blind spots. Keystone Conversations. I'm Randy Woodbury, elder here at Keystone Church, along with my co-host, Philip Ramsey. Hello. Also an elder here at Keystone. And our guests this week are leader, our one among equals, Pastor Brent Mincher. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. We are just minutes after the third service. Uh, as you sit down, Brent, and think through um, things that maybe you want to expand more or talk about, we thought we'd at least give you one break and talk about this pamper poll my question to you is, have we trademarked that into T-shirts, buttons, and stickers <laughs> so that we can use that as a discipleship tool to our friends or other elders? I like it. The trademark it. That's actually true. I actually talked about the Minneapolis Miracle as well. I found out that the Vikings uh, trademarked that. Oh, oh they did? They, t- they already wow. trademarked that thing. But, yeah, I man, truly, I, that it's such a powerful thing because that's been a summer watching kids just get scared. And there was nothing to be scared of. But clearly, everyone got scared. And I think, man, when we think about evangelism, if anything in the spiritual life that people get paused about, they don't get scared for coming in and hearing a sermon and singing. And, mm-hmm. you know, some people don't aren't extroverts, so a connection group might scare them. Or, you know, some people have a big thing with, with uh, giving. But, man, when it comes to faith, just consistently, it, it can get us scared. For sure. Even just like that pamper pole, when you're standing on the ground looking at that pamper pole, it probably didn't look that high. But when totally. you got on top of that thing, you got real scared real quick. Yeah, and the like wind starts blowing, right? And I, I literally, I probably jumped off of it a hundred times that summer and got really good at it. But man, it still takes your breath away because wow. it's just scary. But man, the rope's there. And I think that's the truth with evangelism as well. It's just that practice of even though it's scared, keep doing what we're supposed to do. So the fears you specifically called out today that we usually have when we stress about evangelism, how we might offend others unsure what they'll ask me, you know, we might look like a fool, uh, back to the context of Philip and the Ethiopian, you know, you could make a pretty hard case that Philip could have easily bailed on any one of those. For sure. Yeah. I think that if I was Philip, I probably would have bailed. I mean, just to be honest, like going to the desert, running up to a dude who has a chariot, who's a man of power. You're this small Judean guy following a sect that is barely off the ground um, the racial issues, the the religious, because he would have still had a strong tie to his Judaism that would have not wanted to associate with a eunuch. Mm. He, I, I, if I was him, I wish I would be that have that faith. But I think he's in the Book of Acts because he rose above it. You know. So think it through me, and this is to any of us. What's what's the flip side? What's the what's the solution? So if I'm afraid I might offend others, what's the reality that I probably won't? Well, in that in that example, the Ethiopian was blessed. By Philip yeah. coming up to him saying, like, what are you reading, basically? Are you understanding what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said, no. Like, how am I supposed to know this unless somebody like you teaches me? Yeah. And what a blessing for Philip and the Ethiopian entering into that. Yeah, and I th- the reality is I've been in ministry for, I don't know, 17 or 18 years, like as a full-time pastor. And I've literally only been cussed out once. <laughs> Right. I mean, I, I, people don't go, I'm not sure about that. Uh, but I mean, honestly, 
you don't offend people when you actually people respect the fact that oh you care deeply enough about that to tell me whether they believe it or not mm-hmm. is on them but mm-hmm. i very rarely i mean literally that was one time i can remember where a person was very frustrated I mean, and it was about his life circumstance it wasn't about the message and even then you get an example of how you're persecuted for the gospel so you win uh, <laughs> uh, the, so the reality of if i'm unsure what they'll ask me goes back to what we had talked about for majority of the series is the power of the holy spirit is going to be there yeah mm-hmm. that's exactly right and then if i look like a fool a you probably won't and b the Holy Spirit's got your side and see if I'm going to look like a fool, why not for the glory of God? Yeah, that's exactly Absolutely. right. So if you look at one of the main points, at least that um, you're focused on is a little bit about this concept and we can spend some time here about how, if we follow God or we should follow God, even if it doesn't make sense, uh, which I get, that's a, that's a, I like the point, but let me come at you with the other side. Yeah. Does that sometimes, could that lead to, Poor decision-making, irrational decisions, suboptimal paths that ultimately will harm us. What, what would you say to that? Yeah. Could it? Certainly. I mean, you see, uh, you see the scripture says, hey, don't, if you're going to build a tower, you might want to consider how you're going to build a tower before you build it. Um, sure. But here's what we do know is that an angel in the spirit gave him direct instructions and he did it. And so for us as believers, man, we believe wholeheartedly that the spirit of God can work in us and point us in directions. But at the same time, man, if you just look at the scriptures, if you just do what the scripture says, I guarantee you it's going to be okay. And there's times where it felt like some of the decisions I have made were reckless, but I was convinced, right, that that, that this is what the Lord wanted. And man, all I always tell people is this: look at Scripture mm-hmm. and listen to the people around you that also right. look to Scripture. And if you have some elders or you have your connection group leaders going, I don't know that that's a wise decision. If there's some people who love you, but they're going, eesh, I'm not sure that that's, you might want to listen to that. But I think more, I think that that's a caution, but I think more people know God wants them to do something and are scared to do that. Right. And I think sometimes I think I grew up with a false concept of what God's will is, that it's some mystical one, like one interstate road that I'm continuously trying to find, but I keep going off on these, these ditches and side roads and I keep bouncing back and forth. And frankly, it's unhelpful. It's if I'm in God's will morally, More likely than not, the decision I make, even though the circumstance might not come out perfect like I thought, if I seek those around me and their opinion, if I think or seek the power of the Holy Spirit and speaking to my heart, I'm still in a good decision, even if circumstances turn out wrong. Yeah. And honestly, this is where we also have to believe that if we do make a decision, God's big enough to solve those problems as well. Right. That's a really big restful piece of that as well. So in that, as we, you know, overcome our fear, as we follow God, even when it doesn't make sense, one of the things you challenge us with today is meaningful conversations. And so on a practical day-to-day basis, and Philip, I know you're very good at this as you uh, shepherd people throughout the church in terms of, I mean, just from what you've told me and, and talked to me, how do I start meaningful conversations? What, what are some tricks to the trade to have those outside of just how the weather is and what the sports score was? Okay, so I mean, this is something that was really convicting to me as you preached, and my tendency is always to try to relate to that the person that I'm talking to. And with this kind of conversation, when you're reaching out and being intentional with this kind of race race kind of dialogue with someone, to me, it's my tendency to try to relate to them, asking them, hey, how has race played a part in your life? 
and then just listening to them is probably the biggest thing that I took out of this. Instead of trying to relate to them, um, being intentional with asking the, the right questions, to have a dialogue with them where you are just listening to the pain, the hurt that's been happening in their life. Because what you talked about with blind spots, blind spots are you don't know what those are. And if you try to relate to somebody about the blind spots that you possibly could have in your life, it is so hurtful in those conversations. And so to almost address it of like, I believe that I have been pampered and I, I have some blind spots in my own life. Tell me about your experience through your life, about how that's affected you. And keep asking those probing questions to get to how hurt those people are and listening but not trying to relate, I think, because we're, we're, it's a blind spot in my life. Um, so the questions to me gives me encouragement because I can, we all can ask good questions and then listening to what they're saying and, and the hurt that's been behind um, their life is, is powerful. I think that's great too. And in some senses, if you try to overstructure it, it'll come off unauthentic and stilted. And it will actually Absolutely. sometimes be a hindrance to engaging your heart into the true situation. And also don't try to solve everything right away. Yeah. Right? I've, I jump into situations and I'm instantly, I do this in many of my relationships from marriage to parenting. I want to solve, right? I'm all in, all in problem solving mode and I'm not listening first to A, truly see how the other person feels. And B, it will usually give me better insight into the true issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this, Brent. I would love for you to compare the racial and ethnic conflicts in the ancient time to today. Yeah, I, man, I certainly don't want to be a historian or anthropologist here. Um, but in general, I mean, the Jews and the Gentiles had a very hostile relationship. Um, as a Jew, not only was it just you're different, but it was also if I come near you, I'm unclean. So it was like un- on steroids, right? And so... Um, and second of all, they weren't even having the conversation. It was just assumed, you're different, get away from me, right? In a tribal kind of context. And so um, it's different insofar as they didn't even look at it. But here's the reality. The ramifications of a society and humanity that acted that way has perpetrated all the way to where we are today. And we're fools, if we don't recognize that those tensions still exist in our, in our culture. It is. It's similar to sometimes how we talk about sin and we think that whatever current environment we're in is always the worst of, of whatever it is. And it is a pretty narrow view to realize sin has infected this world from time one in Adam and Eve. And so we can look back at various stages of history, not only U.S. history, global history, and find these situations. I yeah. think you point out today with Philip and the Ethiopian a unique example of racial, ethnic, social, and um, religious differences all in one story. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the power there is the gospel transcends yeah. all those. Yeah. And here, here's the thing, guys. And and this is even on the hills of this week. Martin Luther King's uh, Junior Day is this week. I mean, we're coming on his 50th in April, 50 years from when he was assassinated. And it's just mind boggling to me that even as a country, we're only 50 years from that fight. Hmm. 
It's a great point. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Like we're only 50 years. I'll never forget um, Black History Month a few years back. This is probably when my kids were tiny. And for the first time, I grew grew up in the South. um, But I began to watch black history. And I realized that in my parents' lifetime, there were senators like coming against the humanity mm-hmm. of our black brothers and sisters. Man, I, w- I literally wept one day um, because it, we're so far not from that. And as a majority culture, especially in Ankeny, right? 92.2%. And, yep. and of those minorities, like uh, the next is Asian and then black and Hispanic are pretty close. Mm-hmm. For us not to realize that that's such a part of some of our friends' stories for their parents and their generation, it's just... If we don't listen, man, I th- we're just missing it. Well, I think it was either you or Austin were explaining that you were on a trip recently. I'm talking about it within the last decade. Oh, yeah. Where a member of your uh, group was not the same ethnicity of, of where you were ministering, and you were warned that they weren't He couldn't welcome. come back. He couldn't come back wow. the next morning. As in college, it was the year before. It was all my roommates uh, had a uh, a roommate. We called them roommates because we lived two apartments next to each other, and we did everything together. And he was black. And true story. And ni- this was in '99, probably. Yeah. He was said, uh, "You can't come back tomorrow morning because they had gone to the church the night before because to, in preparation." Like guys, seventeen years ago. And us as a majority culture don't even realize that that happens. Mm-hmm. And if you ask those in a minority culture, whether it's black or whether it's a Hispanic speaker, right? Especially with all the wall and immigration issues, if you've not listened, um, you are missing an opportunity. Well, let's use that as our launching point into our final uh, spot today. In terms of the three of us in this room are part of a majority culture here in Ames yeah, or in Ankeny. Yeah. So couple of practical ways on one end how do i find my blind spots one Hmm. and second how do i work to correcting those blind spots yeah man if you've not listened to lacrae's truth you should Hmm. um if you are unfamiliar with the term systemic racism you might want to google some stuff i think you just need to educate yourself Mm -hmm. and um and listen there's nothing wrong with being a majority culture there's, that's not right, wrong, or indifferent. We, we don't feel guilt or shame for that. But man, I think that listening and engaging people and honestly admitting your prejudices, mm-hmm. right? admitting that you might think differently. And I th- always, this way, this growing up, like I grew up as a redneck. I grew up in as a small town and people that were with cowboys, like you would feel uncomfortable if that's not your culture. Mm-hmm. And for us just to admit that sometimes we don't understand culture and just admit what that does in our own souls and admit it and try to lean into it instead of run and keep and perpetuate this, the, in, like the sin that's in our culture when it comes to race. Well, and think about me and you. Uh, we have no racial differences. We have no ethnic differences. We have no religious differences. Basically, you'd say our, our heritage, how we grew up, and maybe some social stuff because of where we grew up was our only difference. And yet, even then, we come across different yeah. ways and perspectives of how we look at the exact same situation. Totally. Again, nothing right or wrong, just different. Yeah, it is. And so just admitting that those differences happen, and for me, it's just being the role of a student and a listener. Instead, man, I'm just telling you, I can't stand people who love to be loud mm-hmm. about this thing. Right. 
I mean, I'll be loud about the injustice, mm-hmm. but I'll, I don't want to be loud about all the answers. I want to listen and good. serve my brothers and sisters. And, uh, and, you know, and honestly, celebrate the diversity, man. If we're a diverse church, we're a better church. Exactly. Absolutely. Right. And, um, and so I just, man, I, that's where I want to be. I, if, if it's true in the gospel, I want it to be true in Keystone. Right. And so it's true in the gospel that all people are around the throne of God. And so we want that to be the truth at this, in this church as well. Nothing better to end with that, how we are better for the diversity of the body and the differences that, uh, the gospel can help not only break down the conflict, but then build up the body in Christ, which is our ultimate goal. Thank you, Brent. Appreciate Uh, that. Thank you guys. Thank you for listening. And if you have any questions, please contact us at keystonelife.com. And until next week, go in grace and peace.